Today, I'm meeting with two incredible women who are doing some great work in our community and at the same time having a blast. They are two girlfriends who were best friends growing up and they've taken that community that they've created with themselves and with their own friends and family and brought it to our households through candles in addition to other greeting cards and cute knickknacks that you can hand on hang on your wall. Um, so I'm talking about none other than Shop Kishmish, which was founded by Zarina Bossi and Fatma Aslam. They created this company in 2017 and their mission is pretty simple, to preserve the charms of South Asian culture by creating relatable and nostalgic products. Recently, they just got picked up by Nordstrom, which carries their products in stores. Like how freaking cool is that? That being said, they are so much fun to talk to. I'm incredibly excited to start our conversation with Zareen and Fatma. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yes. We've been trying to connect for a while, so we're so excited we're finally able to be here. One question that I love to ask to ground ourselves is, where in the South Asian experience do you both identify with? Identity is so complicated, like even living in the U.S. as South Asian immigrants, like I was born in Pakistan and then mm -hmm. moved here um, to the U.S. when I was 10 and then met Zareen, which is like, I guess, feel like part of my identity now. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's, it's identity is really complex, especially for immigrant children. And I feel like you're constantly toggling between like, are you Pakistani? Are you like American? And like what that means? Um, yeah, I always struggle with this question. I, I don't know how to explain it even. Yeah, no, I think it's, it, it hasn't really crystallized even at this point in my life. Like it's still kind of very fluid and in flux. And there's times where I feel like a, a true quintessential American and other times where I feel like an outsider and there's like parts of my Pakistani, American Pakistani identity that is a lot more, um, I don't know, it's like I, it has more resonance for me. So I guess, where do I fall on the spectrum kind of everywhere and nowhere? And I think that is uncomfortable and okay. And for Fatma and I through Kishmish, it's kind of helped us develop our identities more and kind of channel that confusion and that passion for who we are and where we come from. And I think it's, it's okay to not know and to kind of have it as like a work in progress a little bit, but um, we're, we're proud of who we are, what we've become, what we're evolving into and um, yeah, where we're going. So <laughs> I think you made a really good point. Like I think Kishmish, I didn't even think about it until now, but like it's definitely helped us embrace our roots and mm -hmm. really like, I mean, anytime we start a new product, like Zreed and I sit and like talk about like anecdotes from like our childhood or anything that comes up to mind and why the product is important so looking back at it like I think in the last like five six years Kishmish has played like a huge role in our identity and like helped us grow it's also a really important time in our lives like we're both like 20s to 30s now so I think that kind of helps um like Kishmish has helped a lot without even like without me even realizing I think Zareen just put it in like a really good way yeah it's a great way to process and I will say before, you know, when I asked this question, both of you seemed a little like, hmm, what is that? But I think that's the most honest response I've ever gotten because it is a lifelong journey. I think we're all kind of figuring this out. And it's, I, I'll speak for myself, but 
the Daisy American that I am today is so different from who I was 10 years ago mm-hmm. and five years ago, and even literally like a year ago. So I feel like this keeps changing. Um, and I love that, you know, that's why a large part of like why I'm such a thirsty fangirl for <laughs> Shop Kishmish is like seeing brands like that, products like that represented, you start to also make a little bit more sense about your own identity as a consumer, even, you know. Um, so thank you for your product. And that's actually where I wanted to start. But first, before we get there, you alluded to meeting Zareen super early in your life, Fatima. <laughs> so I'd love to understand your meet cute story because if there's no better love story than two best friends meeting. It's I mean, this is my favorite love story. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, husband always, <laughs> my husband always jokes around and he's always the third wheel between us. Um, so Zareen and I met. Uh, so I moved to Chicago. I think I was 12 right Zareen like I think it was like starting out sixth grade so it's very young um and my parents obviously enrolled me in Sunday school because like that's just what you do um and I walked in and like there was a room full of boys because there was just like no no women in our Sunday school class and then there was Zareen like smack dab in the middle and like a giant like plaid shirt as she would like just hanging out with all of glasses braces the whole thing oh my god we were a hipster before it was him yeah she's all like the vans everything she's been there the whole time um so yeah we we really clicked it off from the very beginning um and yeah we just like through different time zones to different countries like to different states we've just stayed really close um yeah, she's like my sister that I never had. And it's really great because we get to do this together. And it's really hard to find people that are on the same like spectrum. I think like we offset each other really well. Like sometimes she'll need to bring me to ground. And then sometimes I need to like bring her to ground, which is almost never. But like it's it's just it works really well for us. And we're really lucky that we're able to do this. Like I'm just really lucky that I'm able to do this with her. Yes. Yeah, no, I think um, when people hear our story and they're like, oh, best friends in business together, that's like an unspoken, like you, you can't do that. That's like an unspoken yeah. rule of business. You don't go into business with your friend. You separate the two. And I mean, we would be lying if that thought didn't cross our minds when we were jumping into this because we have been so close for so long. Um, but I mean, it's a, a miracle from the heavens or something that we have never really faced any adversity being in business together. And in fact, like to Fatma's point, we really have strengths and, and, and weaknesses that are, that are kind of offset by one another. So like we make up for each other's shortcomings and there's very few shortcomings with Fatma, but like, you know, there's, there's things that um, we, we kind of like collectively kind of figure out together and there's always boundaries too. Right. And I think her and I have done, um, not to toot our, our own horn here, but I think we've done an exceptional job over the course of the last three, four years of establishing boundaries and making sure we don't overstep those. And the more you communicate and the more you set those boundaries, I think you just set yourself up for success um, as friends and as business partners. So yeah, we've kind of come a long way. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it takes a lot of work. I can imagine too, to like make sure that stays successful and healthy but totally worth it. I mean, you both seem effortless, you know, in these moments, for example, but one thing that you reminded me of was, you know, in our experience of being South Asian, not everyone might feel the same way, but sometimes there's this pressure to be perfect, to be everything. And especially with our parents, right? Like the pressure we get of trying to fulfill those goals. 
Um, and this concept of actually, you don't need to be good at everything, but find the person who is so that you fit yeah. in together and can You're be a better piece. team. Yeah. It's something that like blew my mind when I started to realize. So the more you talk to like corporate, you know, execs, or, you know, those are the people I tend to my day job, like work with, I, I noticed a common theme where they were like, I just hire people who are smarter than me which goes against the thing that I would have grown up with. Cause I'm like, no, you need to be the smartest person in the room. You need no, to right? like you become whatever. best friends with the person who's smarter than you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> hint, hint, Zareen. <laughs> no, but, but there's, there comes a point in, in your journey where you realize a, you can't do it all. And, yeah. and B you need to accept the things that you don't know and that you cannot learn. Um, and, and when you kind of accept those two truths, doing the job becomes a lot easier right? Fatma and I both come from families and backgrounds. And I think are inherently the types of people who are like, Oh, I can just do that. Or I can just learn that. And we might be able to, but that comes at the expense of something, right? So, um, you know, also with each other, like there's some Mm -hmm. strengths that I have that maybe Fatma could learn from and a lot of strengths that Fatma has that maybe I need to sit down and, and learn those from her. So, uh, and, and we have over time too. So, um, there's a, a lot of benefit in just being honest with yourself sometimes and not making it like a pride thing, um, which is easier said than done. But uh, I think that would be like my my advice to anybody who's in a similar situation that, you know, y- you can do it all, but you don't have to um, and just kind totally. of come to terms with that. And it took us a while to get, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I just, I just wanted to say it took us a while to get there. Like in the beginning, Zareen and I were very much like, we can, we can do it all. Like we Mm -hmm. are the people that can create, like run everything, create products, just anything you need, we can do it all. But I think it, as we are progressing our, our business or like our partnership, we're realizing that that's not feasible and like, that's not how you scale and that's not how you grow. So um, yeah, this is a learning experience for both of us as well. Absolutely. Especially because, I mean, I can imagine you have big dreams with this. So at some point the gatekeeper is going to be those things like keeping it within yourselves and not being able to realize the full potential if you limit yourself in that way. So it sounds like you both learned that lesson really early on. And speaking of, I know we keep talking about shop kishmish, but I would love to kind of like root us in. How did you come up with this idea? How did shop kishmish come to be? you you want to talk about our founder story and then Um, okay I can oh yeah I can take a shot at it um and then Zareen chime in when needed um so we um Zareen and I grew up kind of gift giving like our love language is definitely gift giving so from the beginning like we always did like handmade cards for Eid um and things like that so our very first product was actually like Eid and wedding cards um that we created for South Asians and Muslims because there was just nothing out there um funny enough we would go to like craft fairs like renegade and things like that um and would like search for hours seeing if there was anything available for people like us any representation of any sort and never found anything like i think collectively we've been to like multiple craft fairs together and separately um so that was the first initial product that we wanted to create we just wanted to create greeting cards um, that resonated with folks like you and I, things that looked like brides and grooms looked like us on like a greeting card. Um, and we really had no experience 
in drawing <laughs> or being artistic <laughs> of any sort. Um, so we just kind of like Googled how to use Photoshop and like started from there, just um, learning how to create products. I think, um, so Zerina actually was visiting me in San Francisco and like we were, we were like talking about this idea and we had always joked around about like, if we were going to get a pet together, we would name it Elaichi or Kishmish. And then it ended up being that we just like liked the name Kishmish. My husband was sitting next to us and like went on GoDaddy and like bought shopkishmish.com. And then a whole year went by and Zreen and I did not touch anything Kishmish really. He bought like, it for accountability. He bought it for accountability. Yeah. It, was, it was the one year expiration of our- what did you guys do? Wait for a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. It was the, he, he was like, um, it's been a year and I'm not going to pay the renewal fees on this unless you both like work on this. And- we just like got to work <laughs> for some reason <laughs> that is what we needed that was like our trigger word um and yeah we created like five greeting cards in the beginning um and just like drew them and then transferred them digitally and got a printer locally and yeah did I miss anything I feel like it's been a journey since like we've just added more products to it gotten creative since then um but yeah it's been it's been really fun and how did you step into candles <laughs> yeah, I can't, candles were another accident actually yeah. I think it also happened in Fatima's living room where I again was in town and we were sitting there I mean that's where the best ideas come up um and, <laughs> and we're like well what is like the most innovative like the next most innovative thing that we can do you know we kind of like exhausted that greeting card work stream and a lot of other players had kind of entered the game and we felt like a little disenchanted but like super proud of what we had created but Felt, felt like we were kind of a little stagnant, I guess, in our in our business journey. And so we're like, oh, well, we both love candles. Like, what if there was a biryani scented candle? Or what if there was like a fawn scented candle? Um, and then like, as we were joking about it, we we're like, wait, mm. no, it would be really nice to have scent profiles that are reminiscent of flowers um, that we that we've smelt in our parents gardens or our grandparents gardens and that are very evocative of Pakistan for us and when you think of Pakistan or India a lot of people will identify those experiences with um, with with smells and scents that um, that remind them of a specific moment in time and oftentimes those those moments or those memories especially for diaspora kids um, are around um, going back to the motherland for a wedding, a family wedding or friend's wedding or something like that. And weddings are, are always kind of embellished over there with tons of jasmine and tons of red roses. And, mm -hmm. and those scents are just like, they permeate the air. So we're like, why not capture that scent in a bottle uh, or a jar and, and sell it to people? Uh, because we would want it. And I imagine other people would want it too. So um, that's kind of how the idea came to be. And we did I mean, we had never poured candles before, right? So the first step was like, how do we pour a candle? Uh, second step was how do we source <laughs> fragrances and fragrance oil and, um, you know, all of that. And once that was done, then it was like, can we sell this? Like, what if somebody's house lights on fire? Or like, you know, like what type of liability do we have? So yeah, are they allergic? Like, <laughs> are they allergic? And, you know, what, uh, what are synthetic fragrances? What's the def difference between paraffin and soy wax? And so that was like a whole other learning curve that we kind of became uh, immersed in learning. And, and yeah, and now we're at a point where I guess you could call us candle makers or uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we're, we've really like honed the craft yet, but uh, we're really, really proud of like what uh, it, it's kind of come 
come to be. And, and the other thing is like, for us, I know I, I speak for Fatma too, when I say this, but like the most uh, gratifying and rewarding moment is when people will like smell our candle, especially an elder and be like, oh, this reminds me of Pakistan or, oh, this reminds me of my grandmother's garden or, you know, they'll they'll go on to narrate the story that they have um, or that they have, you know, associated with that specific scent profile. And it's like, oh, my goodness, like we created a product with our hands that resonates mm-hmm. so much with someone that they are digging back into their memories. And it's uh, it's like such an emotional experience for them to smell it. Um, and so that is that is really, really kind of makes it all worth it for us. Oh, my gosh. No, you hit the nail on the head with that piece of it. And it's not because of an ego thing. So what I'm about to say is basically my friend. So the how I found out about you both is that I had a interview with my friend on down to Brown. Um, and we were just like, we were in the same circle, never really talked directly. And finally we're like, well, you're Brown. I'm Brown. Like let's connect on that. And we were like doing a lot of healing in 2020 together, weirdly over DM. So long story short, we do the interview and she sent me a candle from you both. Um, and as a thank you of like, Hey, like our conversation helped me like think about some stuff. And I thought it was so sweet because it was like the honor was me interviewing you. Um, but when I looked at the scent, it was Motia. And I remember being like, I have only described this to people, the nighttime jasmine smell in like the hot weather. I thought it was something that no one really got in the States. So I'd have to explain it. Like I would tell my fiance, like, that's my favorite smell. If we could get a Jasmine vine and have it, we can't do it here because the deer eat it. But, um, (laughs) I was like, oh my God, I would kill for that. And I was amazed. And it's not because I was like, I thought I was special because like, oh, me ego, but I was just like, wow, there are other Brown people who share this experience. And it, it made me feel so seen. And, you know, on one hand, people could be like, it's a candle, but like, honestly, these are the moments that you're like, I just don't feel like they're normal. So I just kind of pretend that they're like in my, like, you know, it's a secret that I just share with my family, but to see that publicly in a candle meant a lot to me. So I remember that's how I started to become all fangirl about you all and, um, started reaching out. But I really, I, I appreciate the fact that you thought about that because it truly is a momentary emotional connection for your consumer. And it's also something that like, you don't realize you need, or you don't need it. Uh, but it's yeah. kind of like, as somebody going back, you know, coming full circle, but like, when you think about your identity, and, and moments that make you feel very comfortable and seen and moments and identities that are familiar, you oftentimes don't know what that is until you see something that resonates with you. And you're like, Oh, my goodness, this is like something that I've been looking for. And I didn't even know I was looking for And I think that's a lot of times, like when people smell the candle and they feel it and they burn it, they're like, whoa, like I now, now I'm, now I'm addicted sort of thing. Um, And so that's, that's kind of what we're going for. (laughs) And very successful at it. Uh, One of the things you mentioned, actually, I want to go back to, so you had mentioned moments and experiences that you remember from Pakistan. And it's interesting because obviously those experiences we like, I related to as someone who visits India and like whose, you know, parents are from there, but interestingly, our parents' generation, obviously they had their own, you know, kind of like stuff that they grew up with historically. So I don't think they my parents have as many Pakistani friends, for example. Um, and that is sort of some of the messages that we grew up with growing up of like, oh, there's this tension between the countries and all of that, but it looks very different for our generation. 
And so the reason why I bring that up is because as Pakistani women, you know, I'm curious, you know, just like white Christian men have privilege in the U S my theory is that in India, and I'm not the only one, but like in India, it's Hindu men, higher caste, fair. So you are neither of those. And so how do you navigate the South Asian space when there typically is this sort of uh, a bias towards that Hindu Indian culture? I think there is absolutely, I will preface this all by saying there is um, a lot of, you know, the, the complexion of, of how small businesses operate and like minority owned businesses and kind of the, of the support and the um, uh, kind of momentum that they gain comes from other people uplifting them, right? So there's this principle of uh, community over competition um, which is very important for a small player kind of coming in and, and kind of operating in this space. And so that's been something that we have tried to practice since day one. Um, even when we see other card makers or candle makers come in and, and kind of um, imitate um, what, what we're doing. And, and that's not to say that, you know, people don't have these ideas beyond what, what Kishmish has to offer. Mm -hmm. I absolutely understand that. Um, two people absolutely can have the same great idea. And so when we see that, we try to um, kind of uplift those people in the hopes that we can build bridges, right, with with other um, small small businesses out there. Um, but through this through this journey, there's also been like a little bit of uh, contention, I'm sure, too, uh, amongst the the South Asian kind of small business community. Um, and just like anything, I, I think it tends to be a little clicky, um, just mm -hmm. inherently. And it's not um, necessarily anybody's fault or it's not, um, you know, this That's isn't uh, supposed to be a character assassination by any means. But I think uh, for us, Kishmish has always been a South Asian lifestyle brand or a South Asian uh, a South Asian brand. Um, and we very seldom will, will mention that we're Pakistani or uh, say that it's a Pakistani brand. Pakistani brand because we don't we want to be inclusive so it's in that spirit of inclusivity that we kind of um, don't always elaborate on that point even though it mm -hmm. is like objectively Fatma and I are both uh, Pakistani Americans um, and and I think other South Asian brands tend to play the Indian card a little bit more and I think it may work in their advantage um, because that is something that uh, people like to see, they like to hear like, oh, this is an Indian brand. I'm going to support an Indian South Asian brand. Um, you know, whereas I think the Pakistani community is smaller. Um, there's less saturation of Pakistani brands in, in America. Um, and so for us, it's, it's never been like a power play or we're not trying to be like, um, you know, manipulative or anything like that. I think it's just kind of something that we've settled into. And we're like, we would like the support of Indians and uh, Bangladeshis and Nepalese folks and Pakistanis and, you know, other people who identify as South Asian and our products can be for all of them, uh, regardless of the fact that there's like Urdu writing on our candle. That is just inherent to us, but that, that's not supposed to be limiting or restrictive. Um, but we have definitely noticed that there is a little bit of, um, a little bit of a rift that might exist. And when it comes to whether it's, you know, fundraising or uh, crowdsourcing things or whatever it may be, there's always like a little bit of an upper hand that an Indian brand might get over our overarchingly South Asian Pakistani brand. And um, there's, you know, that's just something that we feel oftentimes and we're trying to work through. And 
at the same time, um, there's been amazing, amazing Indian creators and Indian found brands that have extended all branches to us and wanted to collaborate with us and kind of find middle ground with us. And we have a really cool partnership um, coming out with uh, another brand in the coming week, which I'm not going to disclose yet, but you guys will see it on our Instagram pretty soon, which kind of helps fuse both cultures. Um, and it's kind of a very organic collaboration that says that it doesn't matter where you are on the map or what part of South Asia you come from, we all kind of have a very shared narrative. And this is a product that pays homage to that. Um, and so, yeah, I think it is a little bit of an obstacle, but nothing that we haven't been able to work through. Um, we've definitely struggled with our identity, um, in the sense that like, should we, like when we were first starting out, like, should we be a Pakistani American brand versus a South Asian American brand? And for the reasons that Zareen has mentioned, and I, I think as we have kind of experienced the South Asian small business culture within the U S it's very small. Um, and there's a lot of lack of representation from Pakistanis in general, um, and we've struggled to find those partnerships and we've struggled to find businesses that identify themselves as Pakistani like we do. Um, and so I think we've never really like tried to be clicky in any way. Um, like I can't emphasize that enough. I'm married to an Indian, so it's like really just out of this world to even bring that up. But I think it just it's it's a work in progress. I think there's a lot that, like you said, our parents kind of grew up in a generation with not a lot of Indian friends or not a lot of Pakistani friends. Um, and we're working towards like create like getting rid of those boundaries because geographically it's all the same country and it's all the same narrative. I completely agree. And you know, one thing I did want to ask before responding is, um, do you feel like there's a reason why people are hesitant to say that they're a Pakistani owned business? You had mentioned that you don't see that as often. I think, I mean, there's also just, I think Pakistanis is a smaller community within the U.S. that's to start out with. And I think our generation has struggled a lot in just the representation of Muslims within the U.S. and that, I think plays also a huge part in like reflecting who you are and how you identify yourself. I know I've struggled with that as we grew up during 9-11 times and like has really just been all about that since our childhood. So that is a huge reason why I'm sure there's a smaller community that kind of represents folks like Zareen and I. Um, I think it's getting a lot better, to be honest. Like, I think in the last like two or three years, we're really excited to see really cool brands come out that have been representative of Pakistani culture. But it's taking, I think it's been taking a little bit longer. Um, I don't know why, but my guess would be those two things. Yeah, no, she, she I mean, Fatma makes really good points. I think it's the, the community is inherently much smaller. And so we're already a little bit of a niche, right? So we cater to South Asians, but then some of our greeting cards when we first rolled them out were um, for Eid or Ramadan. And those, um, you know, obviously, well, for non-practicing Pakistanis, th those didn't have any resonance. And then likewise, you know, if there's some Arab communities who identify as Muslim, but they wouldn't purchase a card from Kishmish because it's like, oh, the joke is like not it's there. Like I celebrate Eid, but like the joke, I just don't get it. And so, and then likewise, we also had a lot of Bollywood cards, right? But I mean, Bollywood is is Indian cinema, um, but culturally that's like something we grew up hearing and loving and being a part of and watching the movies and like embracing the songs. And so 
we were kind of like confused. We had a little bit of an identity crisis and like, <laughs> what is this a South Asian brand? Is it a Pakistani brand? Is it a Zareen and Fatma brand where it's like a little bit of everything? Um, and I think that like confusion kind of birthed better ideas a little bit. Um, and and we haven't, we say South Asian just because it's a little bit of everything, um, but it's two Pakistani girls who, who want a little bit of everything are a little, you know, a little quirky and eclectic. And it's, uh, you know, there's facets of Indian and Pakistani culture that we have incorporated and kind of made Kishmish our own. And so, yeah, I don't think we shy away from saying that we're Pakistani when the conversation warrants it, we'll, we'll bring it up and we'll talk about it. But I think the, the ethos of, of Kishmish and like where it was birthed from is something a little bit larger than Pakistani. Yeah. Um, or our Pakistani culture. It's kind of like the a, a narrative that speaks to um, kind of nostalgia and 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 wanting to be represented in an American space, um, which is a, a lot more important for us. And if people um, kind of see that message and see themselves reflected in that message, that's a lot more important for us than just kind of saying that we're Pakistani. So and labeling, yeah, yeah, labeling, yeah. It's so interesting because like, I know we could have like a whole episode on this itself. Like I, sometimes the mirror of having the Western world has actually helped. I think um, I'll speak to myself, like me at least in my journey of understanding and learning about some of our history, you know, our countries that shared history, we were all one country, right. To begin with um, and not to like villainize, right. Like, but colonialism played a huge part and that's something that my dad and I have very interesting conversations like we get on a lot of like historical societal like societal conflicts because he gets he's representing that world of growing up in um his father was a cop he grew up in Hyderabad very 50 50 Muslims Hindu um he grew up speaking Urdu so like I watch him speak and I'm like wow how cool how come he didn't teach me that um and so but at the same time he saw a lot of the riots that happened and so there's a lot of misunderstanding you know like of course he's someone who's a product of his experience so I give him compassion for that but you know when we come to the states and we learn about this history and we realize you know there is a third party involved in sort of like creating some of this conflict now in America, no one cares. People like when people are like, oh, I'm good Jew. I'm like South Indian. I'm North Indian. Like anyone who looks at us just sees a brown person. They don't care where you're from and like what language, you know, like they're just gonna be like, okay, like either way, like that's why you see this type of discrimination or anything happen elsewhere and also appreciation. So I feel like somehow being part of the American experience has done a lot of good in that way for our generation to see some of the kind of, um, this doesn't make sense. Maybe it's not relevant anymore because we're all just brown, right? So um, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but something that always intrigued me is like, how did Western society and colonialism both like divide us, but also in some way as we moved to the States, like how did it also give us a mirror to look at this conflict that doesn't kind of make sense anymore? Um, and to your point, like I, I actually was called in like from a listener that, you know, initially I, I kept saying Indian in my bio and everything, because I was like, not even thinking. And she exposed me to my own, like one-sided privileged thinking of like, I'm relating to this as a Pakistani American woman. Like, I feel like this could be reflective of the South Asian experience. Would you have that consider that? And I appreciated her so much because it's so true. I just was so used to just being like Indian, Indian, 
But now I'm so intentional about like, this is truly the South Asian experience because the same things you're describing, I relate to what I describe often, like you might relate to. So it's really like not that different, but I think we are part of that. However, I do see that Indians can be, and this is my own opinion. I think that Indians are more, uh, have more work to do to include the South Asian diaspora. I feel more included by um, Pakistanis, Bangladeshis, et cetera, if that makes sense. And it probably speaks to our privilege in the diaspora. No, and I, I don't think that's unique to, to Indian folks. I mean, there's many Pakistanis we've come across yeah. where it's like, what? Like, this is kind of, this is kind of a strange interaction. And so I think everybody has work to do. Um, and I think everybody should be a little bit more self-aware when engaging with, with folks in, in this very small creative space, which is growing um, yeah. as well. And I think people are growing with it. So yeah, I think as long as we are privy to it and are sensitive to it, um, I think there's uh, power in numbers for sure. And, and totally. yeah. You both have mentioned this now, but there are people who are coming into this space more and more. Um, and so I, I can name a couple, but you know, that's not the point, but I, I know there are more like card and candle players in the mix. So how have you been thinking about how you stand out? What do you think makes you different? And also how do you just navigate that competition? Because I think, um, a, a lot of people sometimes get discouraged where they're like, Hey, there's one other person out there. Yeah. Right. And like, I shouldn't start it. Um, especially because we're so underrepresented, but it actually defeats the purpose because like McDonald's didn't stop because there are a lot of burger joints or like, you know, like, but for some reason, when it comes to our minority groups, like we're like, okay, if there's one, then that's it. Like there's no room for others. Yeah. So I'd love to hear how you both think about that sitch. Um, Um, So we'd be lying if we said like, when we do see a lot of these candle brands uh, come out with South Asian focused scents, we kind of like, I don't know if it's, I think it's, first of all, it's excitement because I think that there's a lack of representation within the South Asian Mm -hmm. brand of anything, especially candles. And we have so many stories that we can share um, with these candles and with these fragrances. Um, So let me just start there. And then another point I like to make is that Zareen and I really try to focus on stories versus creating a product. So every product that we've created, every scent that we've created has a backstory. And we try to really, really like um, focus on that because we don't just create scents because it makes sense. Like we, it took us a, for an example, it took us a really long time to create a chai smell. And that was like our most requested scent because we wanted it to be like, like the right story, why it makes sense. And like why we would want a chai scent before we wanted like a gulab scent. So every single candle uh, fragrance that we've created has, has a story attached to it that is very near and dear to both of our hearts. And like, that's kind of how we create the sense because there's, endless ideas of like what we could be creating so we really need to hone in on like these like specific scents so every time we sit together there's like 15 new scents that we want to create but we just kind of like are like let's push back like what's most important to us so that's how we create our products and Zareen I think like if I'm saying anything correctly correct me please um it 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 personally like I'm a very emotional person (laughs) and I'm sure everyone here can attest to that um so when I see folks kind of like go and 
not copy, but like kind of use the same works that we've done to create a scent. It irks me because we worked really hard to create these scents and we worked really hard to like bring these into market. We've done a lot of research. Like Zareen mentioned, we have no experience in doing any of this. So to get the right scent took us years to like get it down. So it kind of feels like a cheap copycat versus like someone who came in. I think I have more respect for folks who kind of come in and create their own creative creative sense versus like just copying off of our sense. And now I'm on a rant. So Zareen, take it over. <laughs> no, I mean, we share the sentiment, Fatima and I, for, you know, I'm part of my language, but like there's a fire under our ass whenever we, we see something. And I think it, there's a moment of like, you kind of go through all the stages of grief and then you realize, you know what? This is a good thing. First of all, it is a good thing that other people are innovating and this uh, they have a similar narrative and they have like-minded miss missions. And so absolutely, there should be more players in the game and we welcome that and we want that, right? Um, and since we started, we were one of the first South Asian focused greeting card companies out there. We were also one of the first South Asian centric candle makers out there. And so we know we know this um, and we're, we're okay with it. And that's kind of like maybe an, call it an accolade or call it a claim, whatever it is. Like we know in our hearts that we were the first to do it. And we also know that there's gonna be many people after us, many of them who will do it better than us. Um, and we've kind of come to terms with that and, and we welcome that. Um, I think where we draw the line and we start to get frustrated is when there's been there's, you know, there's been an IP issue, or it seems like there has been uh, somebody who is like blatantly, you know, outwardly imitating our products. And so that in the creative space, regardless of what you're doing is like, um, th that's just it's, it's unfair. And it's not something that's respected. And of it's, um, you know, that's, th that's just like not something that you go into. Um, and we've unfortunately kind of had a couple of those situations where we've come face to face with brands who have outwardly kind of copied us and we've had to have those, we've had those hard conversations with them. Um, and, and we recognize that this is probably going to continue to happen. But there is, you know, you kind of have to pick and choose your battles. And there's, at the end of the day, Fatma and I truly, truly really value this principle that I talked about earlier. And I'll mention it again of like community over competition. And this community is already so small, so niche. Um, you know, it's it's really important to 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 build bridges with your with your competition where applicable, but also with other folks within within the larger community, because that's the only way we can amplify these brands and amplify our voices. And and if we're really truly as mission driven as we say we are, it's going to be mission over product, right? So if we can get that narrative out there and talk about identity and represent our culture and our identity, then whoever is is aligned with that mission is going to help us achieve that goal is the one that we're going to band together with, right? So um, th that comes first. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I think we recognize if you're if you're creating a product, there's always going to be other players in the game, and you kind of have to grow a little bit of a thick skin and and be okay with that. Um, and as I mentioned, there's probably going to be people after us who create really bomb gulab and motia scents out there. And I would just hope that when they launch those products, it's inherent to them. And it's a story that means something, something to them. And they're not just trying to make our candle better than ours, right? So the intention needs to be there. Uh, and so long as the intention is there, then yeah, we welcome the competition. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about too was, um, 
how you both balance work by day because you both have nine to five jobs. And this is something that like we joke about, right? In South Asian culture of like your parents, you're like, I want to do this thing that is insert something that's not engineering, you know, like STEM related lawyer, et cetera. And they're like, oh, well you can do it on the side. And so it seems like the classic, you're doing it on the side. I hope one day, if this is what you want, this becomes bigger than you can imagine, but how do you both balance it all? And what is your kind of exit strategy here? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um, well, so first of all, yes. So this is, we actually don't like to say that it's a side hustle anymore because Fatima and I joke that. that Kishmish is a harder job than our daytime jobs, actually, uh, in most cases. And it's funny that we've come to the point where even our parents are like, first of all, they're our biggest cheerleaders, but they're like, when are you guys going to go full time with this? Like, no more of like these tech jobs, like go full time, go all in. Um, and, you know, we, we want to, uh, but we're also incredibly risk averse. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I think the next step for Kishmish is, is us going, you know, going in 24 seven. And to answer your question, it is very difficult balancing a day job and all of our other conflicting priorities and this, this passion business of ours. Um, it's, uh, it's, this is a full-time job in it of itself for sure. And and I think we, I, I mean, I speak for myself when I say this, I, I think I'm being unfair to Kishmish and unfair to my, my daytime employer yeah, when I, that. when I'm split, cause my heart is like, it, it's in two different places at once. Right. And so is my time. And so is my focus. It's split. Um, and so in order to achieve kind of like my optimal uh, potential in any one of these, I need to go all in, in one of them. Yeah. Um, and now as Kishmish is starting to grow and starting to scale, uh, it's becoming very difficult. And the, the one thing I will say about Kishmish is like through all my schooling and all of almost 10 years of, of kind of my career experience, the most I've learned is, is through Kishmish. It's by doing all the work and wearing all the hats and, and just kind of like learning how a business operates. And I think whether it be a candle company or an app or I don't know, just regardless of what it is, um, the experience of running your own business and, and truly learning the value of a dollar, which is such a big cliche, but like, you know, truly learning what it takes to, to sell a product and make a profit is so invaluable. And there's so many lessons that come along the way um, that you simply are not going to learn in your day job or, you know, over the course of your career, regardless of like how high you climb. Um, and so in that respect, regardless of where we end up with Gishwish, I think knowing and having had this experience of, of owning a business, running a business, making a product with my hands, wouldn't trade it uh, for anything, regardless of the outcome down the future. So I, um, I really, truly see a lot of value in what we've created. And I'm just happy for the experience that, that it's given me. I keep seeing a lot of if you think that you're going to quit your nine to five job to start your own thing, and it's going to be super glamorous, like, guess what? You work 24 seven. And I think that's, I can imagine it's so true. Just even doing this work, you know, with the podcast, like, but what I'm understanding is a difference is that, and, you know, so I'm not comparing to you (laughs) with a whole uh, full-fledged business, but I think what I'm learning is that the difference is that like in a nine to five, you're fulfilling someone else's dream. 
So there's probably a different meaning. Like the CEO is probably the one who's like, this is my ambition. But here, once it's your own dream, like, of course, you're going to work 24 seven because it's your dream. Um, but you might work more actually. So if you're looking for balance, this doesn't seem to be the place to join uh, this <laughs> entrepreneur space. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're looking for mission-driven impact work, then this is the place to be. For sure. For sure. And also you're your worst critic too, right? So right. like a lot of people will have this, like they internalize kind of the, this idea a little bit and they're like, oh, well, I don't want to work for anybody. And to your point, yeah, like that's not my dream. I don't want to work for Uber because I don't care about Uber's mission or whatever it may be. Right. But then you start working for yourself and fulfilling your dream and you are holding yourself accountable. And that's almost harder sometimes because you hold yourself to such a high standard and you are constantly pushing yourself day to day, 24 hours a day. So it's not like your boss is like breathing down your neck for two hours between your, like from nine to five, you are actually breathing down your own neck, pushing your own yeah. self 24 seven and you're in your head all the time. So if it's about like uh, giving, like having a mental health break, um, you are definitely going to need to like learn to navigate that before you go into business, because it's a whole other set of challenges, mental and physical um, that, that are going to be tested. So yeah, I will say that. <laughs> Yeah, we like haven't had weekends. I, I think during busy time, it's hilarious. Like Zoon and I literally just meet. And I, I know it's very glamorous to work with your best friend, but we like don't have weekends or like hangouts. We just sit and pour can like when we were pouring our own candles, like we were pouring candles, like thousands of candles during Eid and Ramadan time. And like our backs were hurting. We were constantly on our feet. There was a time, I think. Zareen, when we, when you came over and we poured like 800 candles in like four hours and like it, my garage was just like infused with like and like, it was just like, th- this is not is this like emanating the smells like your business before and COVID came. So if it feels like, like, like Zareen said, like if you struggle with like work-life balance in any way, I think adding a business on top of that will definitely complicate things because I think it's just because this is like our side hustle doesn't mean it's a demanding, it's not a demanding business. It's products. We have customers and that I feel like is more demanding than like having a nine to five. So after we log off at five, Zreen and I connect on what we needs to be done. And then that's being done from like five to one and then on the weekends and then and then some while you're sleeping as well. So it's, it's a lot of work. And um, yeah, I, I think no, that, that makes sense. Your customer yeah. is expecting a full-time company to service yeah. them, right? Like they're not like, oh, I'm sure they'll get back to me during their lunch break. No. They're like, no, they're, I'm expecting the standard of service at this level. So I'm sure that's a lot to manage. Yeah. Especially in the times of like Amazon and like small businesses really being trampled. Um, yeah, it's, it's people have expectations of just getting back to you and that's totally fine. I mean, you're paying for a product that's completely fine. So that's something that we try to have the best customer service in that sense that we can get back to our customers, make sure orders are fulfilled on time, custom orders are done on time. Um, but it gets a little tough when you have a full-time job and you have competing priorities. Of course, definitely. So my last question before we enter the fun trip trip round is our mission at Down to Brown is 
how we, how would it feel if we freed ourselves from that pressure of assimilating into American society, but then also balancing those like heavy pressures and stigmas and of South Asian society. And what would that life look like if we could be that free best version of ourselves? So I'm curious individually for you both, how do you free yourself of those tensions of being multiple identities? <laughs> it's a super light icebreaker don't worry <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the light questions you have are like the most complicated ones <laughs> oh no I'm being sarcastic I know it's a very heavy one. <laughs> oh, okay. I was sorry. you're like what's your like, version of light boom have a coffee <laughs> oh my gosh um um how do we well again I think this also is a work in progress And I think one of, ironically, one of the things that helps me kind of reconcile this like weird in-between phase and like the discomfort I feel in it is actually Kishmish. Honestly, I think like every time Fatma and I come up with like a new product idea or a new scent, it affirms how proud I am to run this company and how proud I am to have, to have a a kind of like multi-hyphenated identity and narrative. And it makes me feel like very settled and and okay with it. Um, And and, and anytime there's like this pressure to assimilate, which I mean, I think the majority of our lives have, have been spent trying to assimilate and trying to shake off the smell of the food that our clothes smell like and trying to um, be more desirable and have better English and be well-spoken and have interests that are like our white friends. And, you know, all of these things that our parents struggled with immigrating to this country, uh, but struggled with when they immigrated to this country and that we are struggling with, even though we were, or I was born here, uh, because it's a, this constant a toggle of like, who am I? Where do I come from? Where do I stand? Like, what language should I speak? How should I carry myself? And like, who should I be? Right. And um, oftentimes it's like, it's really not that deep. Sometimes it's like, be who you feel comfortable being and, and say what you feel comfortable saying and uh, create what, uh, what, what represents you. And, and that's totally okay. And now that we see more people doing it, we're more comfortable with this idea of, hey, I can be un- unapologetically myself and it's going to be okay because he's doing it and she's doing it and they're doing it. So um, that's, that's kind of reaffirming. So I think it's like kind of a a self-fulfilling prophecy almost um, through Kishmish. And yeah, that's kind of how I find comfort and solace in, in, in this entire muddled world of identities and and like where I stand in it. (laughs) That's a beautiful response. Yeah, I am not good at words. I will say this over and over again. Zarina is like our speaker. Um, <laughs> but um, I've always struggled with identity growing up. And I mean, even like Zarina said, and we've kind of touched on this before, like what it truly means to be a Pakistani Desi in the US during this time. And I think Zarina is spot on. Like it's Kishmish has helped us like elevate our personalities and bring out our identity more than anything else I could think of for me. Um, It's opened up conversations with my parents that I've never had before. And it's encouraged us to have those bonds like with our grandparents and talk about our childhood memories. And 
really like touch on things that I feel like as immigrant parents, you kind of ignore um, or try to put to the side because you want your kids to have like that American dream. Um, so we, I think it's helped us it's helped me identify who I am and like be proud of what my identity looks like. It may be chaotic. It might be like a lot of hyphens and maybe South Asian American living from Chicago, living in the Bay area, but also born in Pakistan. Like it's a lot going on, but it also feels like I'm not the only one doing it. And I think Ishmish has helped us find those folks and like help us create this narrative for other people and like help them relate to us and us relate to them and create this like beautiful world that we are in now. Absolutely. And I will say about what Fatma said about opening up conversations with our parents. Yeah. I think when they came to America, they were so kind of yeah. hung up and strung up in creating opportunities for us, opportunities for themselves, providing for us a sense of security, fi financial responsibilities. There were so many other things, right? So yeah. they maybe never took a moment to sit down and really embrace their own culture. And they, like, I mean, at a minimum, they really tried to like instill um, or teach us language, right? Because language essentially is culture, right? So they did a good job of, of that, but never in their wildest dreams did they think, oh, my daughter growing up in America is going to create a candle that smells like Pakistan. Why would she do that? Like, that was probably the last thing on their priority list. So like the the fact that they can now see a piece of themselves reflected in the products that their kids have created is, mm -hmm. is uh, probably very sobering for them. And I know, I actually know it's very sobering for them because they, they maybe don't say it because they don't know how to articulate it, but it's like, it, it's a, it, it's a huge sense of pride that they see a piece of Pakistan and in, in something that we've created here in America. And so that is very reaffirming. Um, and, and yeah, identity is obviously is not a monolith. Like we know that. Uh, but, you know, how does that manifest? Um, yeah. And this is the way it manifests. A piece of where people sometimes say, you guys have too much time on your hands, you know, and back in my day, we didn't have time to worry about our identity or mental health, right? Like we've <laughs> heard those like also negative messages, you know, um, maybe not from our parents, but just collectively in the culture, aunties, uncles, et cetera. But I think what you described is sort of the the actual reality of what's happening is because our parents have made those sacrifices and, you know, we honor them. That's where we are privileged to have this time to process this more, maybe open up your time to do something that is, um, you know, like a, a dream that your parents would have imagined that you were going to do because we do have that ability now. So it's actually, I, I see it as more like we're honoring their sacrifice and journey by doing this versus like now we're just dicking around, right? Like because we have <laughs> extra time. So yeah. um, I loved how you said it in that way too. Um, but we're coming to a close. And so before I let you go, I have one fun rapid fire round. Um, <laughs> it is rapid fire and I've never done this with two people. So let's see how this is going to work. Whoever has <laughs> the answer first, blurt it out. Okay. And I won't ask follow-up questions. We just move on. So <laughs> okay. number one, <laughs> what is the Chicago Daisy? How is the Chicago Daisy scene different from the Bay Area Daisy scene? Homie. Love that. The concept of birdie bots from Harry Potter, if it met Shop Kishmish. So what would that like gross scent to be in? Gross scent? Shop Kishmish. Or that like a... Video. Oh, yes! <laughs> Zaza. That's actually really good. She comes to like so South Asian BO, everyone. 
That is so good. Um, it's taking all my power not to respond to that. So between the two of you, um, who is the extrovert and who is the introvert? Or are you both? <laughs> I'm the extrovert and Zareen's the introvert. I'm the introvert. <laughs> okay. Um, who likes sweet uh, breakfast and who likes savory? I feel like we both like we both. We both like both. And so we always go half seas on Cheers. it. Yeah. Perfect. Morning person versus night person. I'm neither. <laughs> night. Night person. She's a late night. Also early morning these days because of Kinu. Just because of the dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's that's temporary. Um, who is the visionary and who is really good at the details? Zareen's good at the details. Atma is the visionary. Yeah. Great. Last question. You both go on a dream vacation to Bali together to celebrate, let's say, your shop kitchen. Can we joke about IPO. this all the time? Yeah. <laughs> you guys have gone public. Um, you know, you're celebrating after New York. What's on the schedule for you both? Um, massage for sure. Lots of eating. Submission. So yeah, some Michelin dining. Yes. Uh, but Love then it. also hole in the wall, like food carts. Yes. You know, balance is important and just quality time. Yeah. Love it. Well, ladies, thank you so much. I always enjoy myself too much with you both uh, <laughs> to the point where even when we did that photography thing, I was like, oh, I have a girl of a group of like brown girlfriends for the yes, evening. And you do. It was so fun. <laughs> so thank you so much for not only what you do, but the community that you create through this. I mean, I learned about your product through community and then you both keep giving. This is the gift that keeps on giving. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for everything that you're doing for our South Asian space and inclusion. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us.